Welcome to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur show with me, Brenda Hector. I'm a business growth specialist helping business owners to develop themselves and grow their businesses so they can achieve their goals and enjoy the lifestyle they dream of. I'm also on a mission to revolutionize the entrepreneurial landscape for women in business. In every podcast episode, I interview someone who has an inspiring story or some great advice for women aiming to start or scale their businesses. If you're new to the show, take a moment to subscribe and please check out the previous ones after listening to this. We've got an awesome community on Facebook. Just search for Scale Her Up and join in. I'm absolutely delighted today to have Wendy Harris. She's the queen of conversation from Making Conversations Count. With me on the Scale Her Up podcast today, you might have heard Wendy on a previous podcast. If you look back, she was there when the mics were turned on me. So great to have you back, Wendy, so I can get my revenge. Oh, it's lovely to see you again, Brenda, and please be kind. Of course, of course. (laughs) Would you like to share with the the listeners, share your stories, share how you got into business, how you became a female entrepreneur? Gosh, it's been a real roller coaster, and I think that's that can be said for most people going into business. You think that you're going to start this business and have all of this, you know, work-life balance figured out, be your own boss, make your own decisions, but nobody really tells you about the sorts of decisions that you have to make as your own boss uh, and the discipline that it takes. But this is actually my third business. Way back in, uh, let me see, late 90s, I was in a partnership with uh, with a friend where we, we sold software. And so it was like a mail order company. It, it was brilliant. It didn't feel like work at all. We literally just ordered stock and shipped it. Lots of lovely customers, lots of lovely conversations. And I left that business because I'd met a man. It was my downfall. A lot, a lot to answer for, don't they? <laughs> mm. I was on the rebound from a failed marriage. I'd got a young daughter. Thought I could rule the world. You know, I was invincible. And um, and I very quickly found out within a year that I wasn't and, uh, and it, it wasn't going to work out. So I ended up coming home and going back to an old job that I'd had when I was 17. And of course, all of my work has been around helping people. Through conversations, you know, whether that be a waitress working on the market, sitting in an office making calls, being an account manager, going on on the road as a rep. Because my daughter was kind of school age, I wanted something part time. And it was I'd got my my now husband. We've been together over 20, nearly 22 years. It sort of made sense for me to just be, you know, the the office manager look after the call centre for a local company for a while until I got bored. And I think this is the entrepreneurial spirit in us, isn't it? That you you go, well, I'm doing all of this and I, you know, I could be, could be doing it for myself sort of thing. So, so I bought a franchise that my husband lent me some savings to, to buy it. And we did, we thought we did our due diligence. You know, we took our time, we asked lots of questions and it all seemed brilliant. I left a very good job because I'd been headhunted and promoted in the meantime. So I left a job, car, the expense account, all of those things. And thought, well, I'm going to do this myself. And the franchise, because it was young and growing, changed some of its core 
values and changed some of its contractual implications for the franchisees, of which I was not wanting to follow because I was quite happy being successful doing it my own way. So I got locked out of my franchise and lost the whole investment. And um, it was, we didn't have a legal leg to stand on to, to be able to fight our corner and, and get our investment back. So it was a really, really stressful time. But always, always, as one door slams, a little window creaked open. And one of the, one of the fellow franchisees who was in the same boat as me knew a lady called Lisa down in Fleet who was running a telemarketing company. And of course, everything I was doing was like advertising. It's all promotional stuff. It's all about starting conversations and talking to people, you know, uh, to grow whatever. Yeah. I was put in touch with Lisa, who said, I've got so much work on. Can you come and help me? So I ended up just falling out of one thing, going into something else and earning loads of money for her until she went, Wendy, she says, I'm going to retire soon. Why don't you do this for yourself where you live? I was like, got a good point. So I went back to some of the customers that I'd signed up through the franchise because that was advertising and said, I'm going to go. I'm thinking about doing this. I was very transparent with them, with the way that the relationship had broken down and handed them over. Kept, because it's kind of like it felt like I was doing a doo-doo on my own doorstep. That was the other real intriguing sort of stress and challenge of it was that I, it, it then sort of made me very vulnerable to a lot of people that I'd got a good reputation with. Uh-huh. And uh, when I went and told them about this, oh, my God, I had so much work come in that that's where WAG came from. And I just started doing a few hours here and a few hours there for, for people, literally just picking up the phone phoning old clients, re-engaging for them, phoning people that had quoted, never bought, turning them into customers, setting databases alight. So, of course, that was 17 years ago now, which I was kind of had to sit, sit up in my chair and go, oh, my goodness, you know, um, I've had another child since then <laughs> and done the school gate again. But it's it's been absolutely fascinating because going from where 17 years ago when websites were new to fast forward now and all the social media channels, the predictions that, you know, people won't be picking up the phone, cold calling is dying. I mean, I saw a post yesterday that was saying, cold calling is dying and here's why. And it's not because we, we need to have conversations with people. So let's, let, let's, let's dig into that then. You know, you're, you're talking about following up on leads, picking up the phone and having conversations with, with old clients and, and things like that. For a lot of people in business, that can feel quite scary. I, I guess that's where your customers come from, the, the, the business people who are reluctant to do that themselves. Yes. And this is why I now have a 12 week program to help people find their voice so that they can translate their marketing and their sales tactics and processes into conversation that feels comfortable. Because let's face it, when you've got all of these, you should do it like this, it kind of makes you, puts restrictions on you in how you can say things, I think. because no end of information available out there trying to help you to sell 
And it can all get a bit overwhelming, can't it? Yes. And, and really, it's just about two things. You know, you want to introduce yourself. You want to find out how they do things so that, oh, well, I can help you. And if I'm helping you, then that's a win-win because you need this help too. This is kind of where I want to get away from the cold calling. People say it's cold calling. Well, yes. You, and people say, oh, I'm interrupting people. Yeah, but if you're interrupting somebody with good cause and creating a good impression and it's well researched and it and you have a good feeling before you ring that it's a good match, then actually you're doing them a favor in saying, hey, have you seen what we can do over here? But you don't say, hey, look what we're doing over here. We go, hey, what are you doing over there? Yes. Oh, great. This could make it even better. So, you know, I think it's it's um, I was doing some training, um, did a power up session with a lady that had done inbound customer service. So that's when somebody rings you and needs something. So you you problem solve on the call. You get to the bottom of whatever it was that they rang you for. And she says, well, I don't feel comfortable in, you know, picking up the phone and, and speaking to somebody. I'm like, well, it's just the opposite. Once you've identified that you've got the right person, then you're just taking that same problem and presenting a solution. And it was just about reframing that. And, and of course, there was tools like using LinkedIn to connect with people to start that conversation. Conversation doesn't have to be verbal. It can be written. Yeah. It can be an audio message on DMs in LinkedIn or WhatsApp or whatever. And it's and a lot of a lot of where my customers feel that they get the best success is that if they leave a verbal message on a, a DM, you can hear they're genuine. They sound trustworthy. It's not pitching for pitching's sake. It doesn't feel scary or overwhelming for the listener more chance that they're going to actually respond i've just had a blinding flash of the obvious wendy yes voice messages i've never been using voice messages yeah those that that have to you know that are targeted i was working with a company in newcastle and they were targeted to 120 140 dials a day and I remember those days. I don't do as many as that when I'm working on a campaign because I still do it for clients. So I know what it's like out there. You know, it's it's hard. People have got their own thing going on. So um, you're doing you're doing all of those dials and and they were they were get hitting voicemail and not leaving a message. And I said to the management, oh, my goodness, that's, you know, it, kind of like you might as well be putting yourself in room 101 as a pester company yes. because if you imagine I get get phone calls and I don't know the number so I'm going to see if they leave me a message what it's about screening we all do it try again this afternoon leave a message again well they clearly want to get hold of me to sell me something so I'm now as the customer I'm controlling the narrative you try me a third time and you don't leave a message, I'm going to block your number. First time you ring, you just leave a message. You're more likely to answer the second time. There's a person at the, un, at the other end of that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. And it's so, it's so simple and it makes so much sense. But why are we not, why are we not doing it? So you, you've come through providing telemarketing services 
for customers and now you're helping you're helping people to become more confident having the conversations themselves is that right yes i still pick up the phone for a couple of special clients obviously in 17 years i've got you know a good core of people that are now my mates you know they come to my wedding and we get together at christmas for drinks and things like that but ultimately it is all about helping people because we can't all just sit and wait for the phone to ring yeah now the flip side is when when i've made that statement people will be thinking well my phone doesn't ring that often people don't yeah, ring never me. rings nowadays does it yeah no so a little like direct mail used to you used to get stacks of envelopes through the door with some sales pamphlet or letter trying to get your attention and that's dropped off because people have realized that they were getting so much that they were binning it emails they were getting so many they were just deleting them so you stand out if you make a phone call and you actually talk to someone yeah like a real human being that cares about what they do some heavy nodding of the heads going on here, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Talk me through the, the transition from doing the telemarketing yourself to become, becoming a trainer, if you like, and, and supporting. Was that a, a conscious change of direction or did it happen gradually or how did that come it, about? It's kind of evolved over the 17 years that... Um, Way back when the, the business was very, very young, you know, 12 months old or something, um, I'd got to a, to a client and, and a potential client and I'd known them for a very long time. And they were like, I'd really love for you to work on this. I know that that would be what would get me going. But I kind of want a member of staff, but I, I can't afford that yet. So it was kind of chicken and egg situation. And I just said, well, look, I'm quite happy to work with you. And I say this to everybody now, I'm happy to work with you and work with whoever in your team you want to bring on. I've done recruitment years and years and years ago, so I, I can recruit. I've had my own agents and call centre staff. So I know what I'm looking for in terms of somebody that can take it and stick with it because it has got quite a high turnover. You do need a certain amount of resilience yeah. if you're going to be doing high volume stuff. And that, that was where it was born. I just got three months worth of work part time, getting it up off, off the ground, proving that it was worth doing, that he could be closing the business that then topped the pot back up for him to go and employ somebody. And I just sat and budded for a month with this new member of staff and got them on a, like a handover process. And then once a month, I would just go over and see how they were getting on. So it was about a nine month project and and then they've they've got three people now doing that for the company, all based on that strategy that yes. I've implemented right at the beginning. And and that's what helps, you know, my my values are I would much rather put myself out of a job because it's worked than it hasn't. Yes. And yeah. because I know I'm creating something. You have a much, much bigger impact when you can get them up and running and going themselves and then you can move on and help someone else. Yes. So it, it, it increases the impact that you're having in the in the community, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think you get to a certain age, you know, um, I'm a mature lady now. And and I think your your own outlook on life 
becomes more the teacher and trainer and consultant because the experience that you gain you know my my career spans 30 odd years now in the same field of uh, telemarketing telesales and account management and customer service so from that that you know you you need to to share that with the younger generations coming through who are all kind of like you know noses to screens communication is so important we can't lose that yes i don't i don't mean to uh, hijack the conversation here but i'll just tell you a little story about my yeah. son yesterday so he's he's got a little job but he can't get can't really get many more hours in that little part-time job so he's looking for something else and he said to me yesterday would it be more powerful if i um drive around and hand in my cv than if i just email it right he knew the he knew the answer to the question but i was mm-hmm. i was pleased Someone of that generation was aware that that was that would be more impactful. So yeah. Similarly, my thirteen-year-old daughter wants to do the D of E. You know, start on the bronze. She says, "I know that it'll look good on on my CV," and I'm like, "Well, you've got to do some work first, love." You know, um, for personal reasons, it, it it may be that she won't be able to complete it this year. So we've said, "Well, we'll defer it to next year." And she said, "Mum, but I really wanted to do the volunteering with the scouts because she was a scout herself." And I said, "Well." Why don't you still do that then? And she went, ah, oh. and she finished the sentence for me saying, well, if I do that now, when I pick it up next year, they're more likely to embrace me on, on the programme somewhere else because I've done it off my own back. And it's that initiative, isn't it, that, yes. that we need to, to come through. So, you know, Brenda, for me, you know, the conversations and it it's not always about, you know, telesales, telemarketing, account management. It, it can bleed into other areas because I'm also a business owner with experience, you know, third business on and all that. And I'm just intrigued by other people's experiences and storytelling and, and that sort of thing. So, so it's about trying to share as much breadth and perspective as possible because I can share something that somebody else has tried to share and the penny drops. So it it's... And I can share something and then they come back and go, somebody else said this and now I know what you were talking about, Wendy. So it's just about building up those layers, isn't it, of of different perspectives until you get it because we are all so different. And the number of times that the message, I could tell the same, try to get the same message across, you get the message across. As our, uh, our mutual friend Brad Sugars says, I'm going to keep repeating until you start doing. So, you know, we, we need to keep giving the, Keep repeating the, the message yeah. until it until the penny drops. And, and the, the funny you should mention, it. Brad, because I was just thinking exactly the same thing when he said, you know, so many people that he speaks to about sales courses, you know, it just doesn't work. Well, how many sales courses have you made? And they go five and they go, well, and he says, well, what do you expect? Yes. It's one of those things where practice makes perfect. You've got everybody talks about growth, don't they, in business? You know, yeah. you've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And the list is endless. And I always and I, I keep saying recently, this is kind of like a new mantra to me. You know, when you grow, expect growing pains. Yes. Because yes. you're not going to, you know, just take to it naturally, because that would be the natural thing that you would do then. For me, it's natural to have conversations, ask questions and find out and, and, and investigate and research. That's my natural talent. When it comes to doing my accounts, oh. That's my growing pain. So it's about understanding what your natural skills are 
and leaning into those and and being able to go well these this is going to give me growing pains is this going to hold me back if i do it or do i get somebody else to do it tell me about your all this business experience three businesses in practice makes perfect maybe you can <laughs> you can uh, tell me about that but what are the challenges what were the growing pains that you've experienced oh gosh i mean um the sky did fall in when covid hit because what does every business owner do when they're uncertain of the future and everything gets locked down? They just pull everything that costs them money because they retract and go, well, this is mine and I've got to protect this. You know, nobody's going to want to, to talk to us about new business right now, are they? So they go into protection mode. So I literally had one call from, my, from, from one smaller client and I said, absolutely, and I'm not going to hold you. And they pulled the plug and I said, I'm not going to hold you to the month's notice in the contract either. That would be unfair. I've not written pandemic in my contract. No, none of us did, did we? No. So, so then, then I said uh, to myself, I've got to have the conversation with the other three clients that I've got on my books at the moment. And literally everything went. They were like, oh, we didn't know how to ring you and have that difficult conversation. So I went from having my best quarter ever to flatlining. And I had had this conversation with Barnaby Winter recently. And I say that, you know, business cash flow is like a heartbeat. It goes up and it blips and it drops and then it goes back up and it blips, you know, or the hockey stick, whichever analogy you, you, you know, buy into. But the, the trick is to, to when you've got that flatline is to have the resources and to keep those resources in play so that when something hits, so because it was my best quarter ever, I'd got some revenue. Uh-huh. So I was able to sort of carry myself forward. And that's really when I sat and went, well, at Christmas, because this was all in the March, at Christmas, I'd sat over a glass of wine with my husband and said, I really have been enjoying doing the sales and marketing workshops, the two-day masterclasses, and doing the one-to-one power-up sessions, you know, um, finding out a priority for a business owner to, to put in place before they build further I said this year I'm going to do that and then of course I got so busy I didn't do any of it so what it actually did was it gave me the blessing of time to go okay so I can do what I wanted to do this year which is focus on the training push the training do the power-ups aim that you know on LinkedIn and what have you and that's what I did and that's what got me through so I rebranded new website new brochures you know new artwork you name it and those are the challenges is to, you know, Dr. Ivan Meisner, we had the conversation sort of slap bang in the middle of the pandemic. And, and I said, you know, it was it was great for me because I took that fear of losing everything and drove it into action. Created energy for it. Yeah. It, 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 self-propelling. Then I couldn't turn around and go, I didn't try everything. Didn't do everything that there that I could have done than sit there and go, well, COVID hit. Yeah, it's so not yeah, an excuse. Yeah. And and so how how's that panned out? Are things back up? Are you having are you having your your best quarters again? Um, yes. Um, it's it's been one of those where I've continually reinvested, and mm-hmm. and I'm looking less at the bank balance and more at what I'm achieving which might sound a little bit bizarre uh, as a business owner, you need to know your numbers and all that kind of business. Yes, I do. I know my break-even points. I know what, what's comfortable for me. 
And if I'm doing more than that, that means that I can actually do more of the things that I want to do. So I've got my own podcast, which has been going for, well, since November 2020. I wrote a book in lockdown that became a bestseller. So that was that was my way of saying, right, guys, if you can't afford me as a small business owner, but if your world has just been turned upside down and you're not quite sure how to tackle things, here's my book. This is kind of what I teach in my workshops. Take it, have it, $12.99, two quid on Kindle, you know, have it, use it. It's written so it's like a workbook. You can write in it, make notes, go back to it, change it. It will help you to start conversations online and then take them into the real world. That was my way of saying, here's my help. Plug the book, the book Wendy. What's it called? Well, you might guess, Making Conversations Count. <laughs> available on amazon and all good uh, booksellers i take uh, ju- just on amazon it's a self-published affair i've since found out that there are lots of other routes to market but you know at the time i was just blinkered on those things and that's what you learn isn't it you go through a process um like writing a book is not the same as picking up the phone and deliver or delivering a, a workshop it's a completely different beast Similarly, you know, everybody was saying, oh, you need to have a podcast. You'd be great on a podcast. Audio is your thing, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but podcasting comes with its own growing pains, doesn't it, Brenda? That's, that's, a, that's a big learning curve to get it off the ground. And then it's happening. And yeah, then we've done another learning curve to get more and more and more people listening. So, yes, there, there are yeah, challenges. Everything that you do comes with a challenge. I've learned through business and talking to business. I talk to a lot of business owners that if you're expecting the challenges to stop after a certain period of time, then you're in for a shock because there will just be new challenges coming. There was a great quote I saw yesterday uh, and and it really did. This, this, This may resonate with you, Brenda. If you can accomplish everything you want in life by yourself, your dream is too small. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so true. Yes. 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 And and another quote that came out from from this, I was listening to another to somebody else's podcast, and it said, "No matter where you are, there you are." So it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like I was like, oh, "Okay, this is this is good." So you know, the challenges for me was it was always about how do you talk about telemarketing and make it sexy when nobody likes cold calling, nobody likes to receive a cold call, yet. I cannot honestly remember a time when I've rung somebody cold and they've been rude to me or put the phone down. And the reason for that is because of how I handle myself with my tonality and approach to creating that best first impression is that people want to have a chat. Yes. Who wouldn't want to have a chat with you, Wendy? Absolutely. So it's my responsibility now, I feel to help as many people as possible, to be able to have that chat the way that they are comfortable having that chat. Not to copy how I do things. I can share how I do things. And then they can adopt that and bring that into their own personality style, business solution offer, and make it their own. Yeah. So what's been your biggest learning through your business journey? I've only just realised this, actually, Brenda, and that is that... um, Trust yourself. Any doubt that you have when you go and seek out advice or support is likely to just reinforce your doubt. 
because that's what you're looking for. You're looking to go, well, that doubt's okay. Yeah, so so would, don't waste the time going and finding other people to tell you that that, that you're right. Just believe yourself yes. and, and make and your decision based on that. What has allowed me to see that is, you know, my business is, is my business. I don't really talk to my husband about it in any great length. You know, I might sort of, oh, this is what I've done today and that's what I've done. But I don't talk to him about strategy. I don't talk to him about the finances. I don't talk to him about my plans or anything like that because, one, he doesn't understand it. And then when he does start to talk to to try to talk to me about it, because he doesn't understand it, we get into an argument. Yeah. And and it's because I trust what I'm doing. I don't need his permission. I don't need his acceptance. I, I don't need his judgment. And that judgment is why I say to trust yourself because my podcast, it, it costs money to produce. It costs time and so much more effort and energy than, than you ever imagine. But I knew it was absolutely the right thing to, for me to do in my business. And part of the reason for that was because I had nobody else telling me I shouldn't be doing it. I trusted that it was it's the right thing to do. So you've got to apply that feeling that you get in just knowing, even if you can't put words on it and explain it, you just know it's the right thing to do. Stick to it. Don't go with your guts. Don't fear. Absolutely. Ignore the naysayers. Mm. So that's interesting. Interesting you talked about your husband there because um, my next question is, who are your biggest supporters? Who have been your biggest supporters in your business? Ooh, um, me, I'd say. And the clients that I work with, because we, you know, I'm three years ago, I went on a mental health first aid training course. And, and it was in part because when I start working with a client where they are a, an owner managed business, for example, I know I take it personally because my business is me. As an owner managed business, they're actually taking it really personally. That although it's the business's money that is paying for me to do the job, it's personal. It's still their money. And it's a big ask and it's a big trust that goes along to say, I'm going to give you this money. You better give me what I'm, I've asked for. And the reason that I did the mental health first aid training course was because I was taking their respons- the responsibility further than than I should on their behalf and it was about trying to sort of set a boundary and that really did help me sort of separate where the lines are in terms of you know what my response what my responsibility was and what I'm accountable for because I think responsibility and accountability can sometimes bleed into one another and absolutely you, you you lose sight of the, the 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 end goal that you that you're working towards, and and that's been what what has really sort of propelled the last three years. Have have even having two years of a pandemic, is being able to say, look, I get it, but we'll do it together. So it does feel like you know, I never feel like I'm working for somebody. I'm always working with them. Yes. I hope that answers your question. I don't know if it did actually, but. Yeah, so you're you're the supporter of your customers, of your clients. Yes. So yeah. Who supports Wendy? Well, they do, and and yeah. this is this is the thing, isn't it? Is that by me supporting them, they get the results 
that actually sort of feeds fills me up that's my cup yeah I, I get it now so what are your ambitions for the future oh a uh, good one I would love to be leading a happy happy life perhaps not full-time be financially free using the program really to to do more helping more I think it's that instead of the one-to-one the one-to-many secret ambitions I'd love to do a TEDx talk I just don't know what to talk about me too there was one in uh, in Aberdeen last year and I was shortlisted I was nearly there and then I I got cut for the what was your topic Brenda what what did you pick I was talking about comparisonitis Stop comparing ourselves, comparing our city to other cities, comparing our industries, comparing our business, comparing ourselves. It's holding us back, holding, holds everybody back, comparing with others. And the only comparison we should be making is with, with the person we used to be. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it strange? I think, I think I've got to just give it some thought. A great message. So your, your whole reason for being, the message that you have, that it's all about conversations. Perfect TED Talk. <laughs> yeah. Get on it. Get on it. What do you talk about? I guess. Probably just need to sit down quietly and uh, put some more thought into it. It's, it's, it's on my blackboard, along with I'd like to go on open water swimming and start to do that. What else? Oh, I'd love, I'd love to get a, a supporter, a, a sponsor for, for the podcast. No, that's a good one. Put that out there, listeners. Yes, I would love that. Looking for a sponsor for her podcast. Good idea. I need to put that on my board as well. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, the, the purpose of Scale It Up is to inspire other women to step up to start and scale their business. You know, it's going to make a big difference to the to the economy if women match men. What do you think we can do to make a difference to this? Create, Bring about this revolution, if you like. Oh, Blimey, Brenda. Well, personally, I believe that I would have been way more successful had I have had a more modern family. We put it like that. I've got a very traditional husband who goes to work very early in the morning, does a physical job, comes back, expects a cup of tea when he comes through the door and his dinner made and everything in the house just so. So, of course, when you are then a mom and you've got the school run and then you work as well your time your day shrinks absolutely so I can only say what I've said to my eldest daughter I've got two daughters one's nearly 28 and the other's 13 says I'm 15 next year she loves that we're all trying to turn the clock back (laughs) (laughs) and what I said to Meg really you know when she was growing up was look look You've seen the restrictions of the dynamics of how we live our life in terms of, you know, what Rob expects of me as a wife to him and a mother to the children. So you really have to have a clear idea of what your expectations are going to be if you're going to share a life with somebody that if you have children, you share it and the responsibility you solve those problems together because this is kind of where i think it's the root of women saying that they get you know passed over for promotion or 
you know, the, the same salary as a man is because historically and culturally the women are expected to pick up that maternal side of the family and children and run into little Johnny who's got to be picked up because he's just been sick in the playground. You know, this is where we've got to level up. So do we need to be stronger at saying, no, I'm not going to do it all. I have my I have my career, my business as well. Or is it is it going to come a bit, you know, I, I have two daughters also and I have a son. So is it how we're bringing them up so that in the next generation of mums and, and female business owners don't have the challenges that we've experienced? Absolutely. And yeah. even now, you know, Meg's, you know, she's she's very happy. She's been sort of um, she's done her own home for three years with her partner and there's talk of a, of a family at some point. I'm going to be a naughty nanny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and but even the way that they have gone into um, running their home, you know, it's not, well, I earn more money, so I'll put more to the bills. They split everything, you know, so it's a 50 50 footing on everything. So every decision that they need to make, whether that's running the house or a job change or going out at the weekend or can we afford this? It's it's then a shared decision. and. That will be what how they will run their the rest of their life together. And if they and, and Megas just said, well, if Aaron didn't do that, then we won't be together because that's her expectation of a successful partnership. Because you know when you do, you know it doesn't have to be. It's a partnership, isn't it? And if you look up the definition of partnership, it is equal. Yes. So, so there's yeah. there's, a bit, there's some big cultural changes to to come around, and I think over the next. The next generation, it's happening. Let's just keep pushing at that. Yeah, just trying to instill it. You know, I mean, I can still push back now. I push back and say, you know, well, no, Alice is 13. She's got homework to do. She comes in and I can work till five o'clock. That opens up my day to allow me to get so much more done and be productive. And I'm quite strict with myself. One of the things that the mental health first aid trainer, Amanda, she said, it was a two-day thing and she set us a task on the first, after the first day. And she said, I want you to go and put your phone in another room after six o'clock so that you are present with your family. And that is what I practice. I'm going to write that down. Because, you know, the, there's another thing about running a business is, oh, my goodness, how, um, I said earlier, it's so personal. Actually, it's intrinsic and will bleed into everything that you do. You know, you'll go on holiday and you'll be panicking that something is happening and the sky will fall down while you're not there because it can only be you that does it. You will go to bed at night and you'll have a great idea and you'll have to, you know, write it down. Your brain doesn't clock in and clock out in the same manner that an employee does. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yes, because the business is part of you. So you have to have some self-discipline or all the other things that you're working for get lost. You know, so so in actual fact, I want that leveling up because I feel so sad for all those men out there working all those hours to provide for the family that he hardly sees and isn't present, even if he's there at you know the breakfast table with his laptop doing or the kids going off to school. Bye. He's not present. Oh, yeah. Just oh, so much, so much great messages that you've you've shared with us, Wendy. (laughs) Yeah. Listeners, just have a think. 
sit down and have a think about these these issues that Wendy's raised and how how you're running your business and how you're running your life and how we all have choices it's it's about deciding to do something about it I think is that the lasting message you want to you want to be leaving the listeners with absolutely absolutely trust yourself the most important conversation you can ever have is going to be with yourself Oh, we could have a whole other podcast on that, Wendy. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Um, my, my final question, as I ask everyone, um, is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't asked? I don't think so. I think we've had a really lively conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, thank well, you. asking me to come along. It's been great fun. Thank you. It's been great to have you involved with Scale Her Up. Um, really delighted to be, uh, to be associated with you. So thank you very much. Thank you, Brenda. Thanks for listening to Scale Her Up, the female entrepreneur's show. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please join our Facebook community at Scale Her Up. Please connect with me, Brenda Hector, on social media and drop me a message to let me know you're enjoying the podcast. Or even better, pop a wee review on iTunes. I'm going to finish by reminding you, only one in three UK entrepreneurs are female. And men are five times more likely to scale their business to over one million in turnover than women. If we started and scaled our businesses to the same extent as men, it would add 250 billion to the UK economy and provide millions of jobs. Ladies, you can do it and we're going to make a massive difference.